Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. Welcome into a quick timeout, the show with expert interviews from top basketball coaches around the world. On this episode, we're talking small-sided games and specifically small-sided games for defense. Joining me is assistant coach for Roanoke College, Aaron Fernandez. Coach, welcome back to the show. Hey, coach. Thanks for having me. Chances are, if you're a coach who's clicked on this talk, you're familiar already with the term small-sided games. But coach, for those who may not be familiar with it, or maybe they just randomly found our talk here on the Wisdom app, how would you define small-sided games? Yeah, I just think it's it's any way that you break down, um, you know, teaching a concept, uh, whether via one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, or uh, any kind of advantage like four-on-three, three-on-two. And it's just it's usually singularly focused, but there can be, you know, two or three focuses. But it's just it's just a way to break down the big, the big picture of the game to kind of the smaller picture of the game and uh, get more reps for everybody as well. So... I found that a lot of coaches have been using these for a while. I mean, we've done like breakdown drills, but I also have found that like the emphasis and the focus, maybe, um, uh, maybe more competition, more scoring, uh, unique sides of, uh, you know, types of scoring to emphasize certain things. Um, it's kind of become a little bit, I, I felt like we've taken it to the next level. It's more than just new marketing. Um, well, right. beyond that, like what, what have been the biggest advantages that you found? I, I just mentioned a couple for us. I mean, the competition has, has heightened our practices and, and made guys more competitive, but maybe beyond that, or even that, what, what are some of the advantages that you found with using small side of games? Yeah, I think for, for me, the biggest thing is just the transfer piece. So I, I have a background in, uh, you know, phys ed and, uh, have a, a deep interest in exercise science and motor development. I have a master's in, in coaching, which is, which was very much focused on kind of the motor development piece. But you know, the, the best thing is that you, you get the transfer. So you, you let the game kind of be the teacher. Um, and I'm actually reading Doug Lamov's book right now. I know he doesn't specifically care for that term, but, um, but it really does allow the game to kind of, um, or do you replicate, um, you know, whatever it is you're going to see in a game and you kind of get those repetitions without the same repetitions. Um, and, and, you know, you and I both know this and, and anyone who's listening to this probably familiar, like the game is chaotic. The game is hectic. Um, the game is about making split second decisions. And, um, you know, a lot of times traditional coaching is, is, uh, where we really try to control things. We make things in, in lines, we make things, um, try to make things perfect. Uh, but that's just not how the game typically works uh the game is is chaotic it requires our players to make split second decisions um it requires them to read and react to situations and that's kind of what those games do you know they set us up in those situations um and they create all kinds of learning opportunities out of things that arise that that may not normally come out of kind of those those traditional type of drills so yeah, I found that, you know, one of the main benefits for us is um, you'll hear us probably tonight use the word, you know, constraints, incentives. You're able to con- create that chaos without it being complete chaos. And I think that that sometimes is the misconception is that with these games, it's almost like you're rolling the ball out and let them just to go three on three, four and four. 
you start them in spots, but just kind of whatever happens next. And you can you can still manipulate and control things so you're able to focus on what you want to f- control on or focus on without, like you said, you're almost, I think too many times as a coach, we're trying to eliminate all stimuli outside of what that exact right. thing that you want to work on. Yep. And that's where it doesn't really benefit the kids long-term. But with these, you can, you can still control three things without there being just total mass chaos either. Yeah. And I, and I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's that I think the misconception is that we just kind of set them up in something. We just let them play and, and then we just move on. And, and I think to me, I, I found that I've had to be a, a much more effective teacher. Um, I actually think it's easier to just kind of do the drills and to move on than it is to kind of face the nuances of the game and, and kind of teach out of things that come up. Cause I don't think there's always black and white answers um, for, for things that happen. Um, and I think those small sided games allow those kind of nuanced situations um, to happen and to provide excellent teaching opportunities. So I think you have to, you have to be an effective teacher. You have to be a great communicator in order um, you know, in order for this to be very effective and, and you only get better at that, honestly, by doing it, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I still find myself, um, you know, saying things or going, being too long winded or, or whatever, um, where I'm like, Hey, I, I gotta be more effective, but, um, you know, that's kind of the beauty of coaching too, right? We're always kind of evaluating how we can do things better as well. And, um, so I'd really encourage coaches, if you're not already, you kind of using this, this idea of small sided games to, you know, just you don't have to take the full plunge, right? Just just kind of dip your toe in the water and and see um, how you like it. And I think you'll find, um, you know, you'll find some things that you can use and, and start to maybe trend that way. And hopefully, your players will benefit as well. So I found the same thing that it really has forced me to become better at feedback. And I think that that's where absolutely. It's- allows you you know by playing these games you're you've got another rep coming up and you don't want to keep the kids standing on the sidelines talking to you for you know two minutes that's proven as well to not be the right thing but you know in that 10 to 15 seconds i can pull a kid aside while his group isn't going and give precise feedback and individualized feedback Um, but there's that pressure on me to keep things going as well so i can't stand there and talk for three minutes so it's made me better at giving feedback yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, it does force you to be a better teacher. And um, I think the, the flow of practice, I think you'll find is a lot better. I mean, players want to play. You know, I, I find myself a lot of times, you know, just saying like next rep. So there was a mistake, but it's, it's about the next rep. And kind of you, you don't have to stop it on every single rep. You know, the way I try to do it is, is see if there's themes develop, there, there are themes developing. And if I think it's a team theme, you know, that allows me to address it as a as a team, but if it's an individual player here or there that is, um, you know, they're making mistakes. Um, like you said, it allows you that chance to keep the flow going, but you can pull those people aside and, and kind of give them that individualized feedback. So I, I think one of the, the big benefits you were talking about benefits is, is just that flow of practice and, and keeping players engaged and um, not, you know, finding yourself stopping, um, you know, too much to give too much feedback um, to the whole group when maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. So, yeah, I wanted to bring that up just because as we go through this, so we're going to jump into the defensive stuff here in just a second. But as we go through this, I think it'll be beneficial for us to maybe give some examples of feedback that we would give by using these drills. Sure. You know, this is something that as we we're going to try to give you some drills that you can use with them. Obviously, drills are always easier to understand if you can see them, whether that's diagrammed or somebody um, running these. And I know a lot of probably at least the ones that I'm planning to use. I do have these on my YouTube channel, so you can go back and check these out. But I wanted to use this time as kind of an opportunity for us to talk 
you know, do our best. This will kind of put us to the test, but do our best to explain the skill without having any visuals. But then in addition to that, maybe show how, how we emphasize certain things, teaching points, um, cues, uh, feedback that maybe we've given to players who've gone through through these drills or the or these small sided games. Um, so that's kind of where uh, you know we're going to focus our attention. I hopefully it will make you a better teacher of the game. Um, Coach and I both our our backgrounds and our our uh, primary jobs for a lot of years have been uh, as a teacher. I'm still a teacher. Coach is coaching now, but um, and so teaching the game. Hopefully this will help you become a better teacher of the game by by listening to what we have tonight. So let's jump right into the defensive aspect of all of this. Let me preface this by saying that I know that as coaches listen to this, there are some out there who maybe you're a pack line team. Um, I, you know, there may be some who you run man to man. I don't know if we got any denial coaches out there. And there could be even some that you're zone coaches. And I describe those as being systems. And if we spent time talking about specific systems, I feel that probably there would be a lot of you out there who are like, well, I don't run that system, so this really doesn't help me. So instead of focusing on systems, I really want to focus on the skills that make up those systems and some ways to teach and practice those skills with your players. So I consider those really like your building blocks. So no matter what what defensive system you run, hopefully these will be applicable to you, and I feel like they will because it's what you see on really every single defensive possession. So with that in mind, coach, what, what are some things in a, whether it's a full court, um, you know, full court defense or half court defense, when I talk about the individual building blocks of a possession, what are you seeing? What kinds of things are you seeing in every possession that your team has to execute upon? What are those individual skills? Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer in, you know, obviously, I think everything comes down to one-on-one defense, right? Can, can you keep someone in front of you? Uh, can you slow them down enough to allow our help to get there? And so I, I am a big believer in, in playing one-on-one or some version of one-on-one every single day. Um, and then I also think for us, the secondary piece, I, I don't know that we spend enough time. I know a lot of teams do shell, and I, I do think the shell can be, it can be very beneficial. Um, but I also think that sometimes our shells can drills can be very stagnant. Um, so I think defensive positioning, um, you know, can sometimes be frustrating for coaches to teach. Um, so I think, you know, as we talk about some games, I, I'd love to share a game that I, that I actually learned, um, from Jim Boone, I believe it was, um, that, that really helps with that defensive positioning. And then obviously the last piece, um, is just the, um, you know, finishing a possession and, and cleaning up the possession with the rebound. And I do think there are things that you can do in teaching points that we can make on rebounding that um, whether that's through a game or whatever that, that can help us finish possessions out. So, so for me, you know, it's that on ball piece, you know, can we contain slow down enough? Do we have people in the right positions to even start with? And then the last piece is, is being able to clean it up and, and kind of the teaching points that go with that um, that we may not think about. So. I've got a couple in addition to that. We, we try to not overlap with these, but give you some unique stuff. But um, I, I broke down the on-ball stuff, which I totally agree. That's the number one thing when kids come to us at the college level, I feel like, is just, just being able to guard the ball. And obviously at the college level, you take that next step up and everybody's quick. Everybody can handle the ball and you get quickly exposed if you're not a, not oh, a yeah, very defender. And whether that's in the, so I would add in addition to just simply on ball defense, but like transition defense, whether that's as a team or you just being able to guard the ball in transition uh, right. individually. So 
Um, another one that I see, you know, that big in our game, the modern game of basketball, but closeouts, we work sure. on those very regularly. So that kind of goes again to guarding the basketball. But yep. kinda yeah, yeah, I kind of throw that all together. But yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, every, all one on ones essentially start with the closeout, right? I mean, right. So. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, you already listed the the help defense. And I would, in addition to that, you know, a subset of that would be something involving just simply decision making, like knowing when to go, knowing when sure. to rotate, knowing when to um, step over, knowing when your man is beat. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that one. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, I finished up with defensive rebounding, too. So um, that's about, you know, six or, or seven things we'll try to go through with that. Um, let me go ahead and start with the first one. So let's start with just simply guarding the ball. Uh, Coach, your favorite on-ball defense drill and maybe some of the teaching cues and, and feedback that you've given with that. Yeah, well, I, I would like to say one thing that we kind of do that I've kind of believed into warm-up is, uh, and I learned this from Brian McCormick, and he did something called the mirror drill. I think one-on-one is a lot of anticipation. It's a lot of reading cues. Even, even, even on the subconscious level, just kind of reading the offensive player's shoulders, you know, their hips, uh, where they're turning. Um, so we... You know, like when I was when we we're doing preseason, obviously Division three camp works specifically on skills. But uh, as a strength and conditioning coach, I do a lot of kind of reaction one on one type reaction drills. We're reacting to each other, um, you know, from a defensive stance. So like doing some kind of mirror drill like that, I think is a good is a good solid foundation for one on one stuff. But my favorite one, and I've shared this a lot, and uh, actually went back and I found where I got it from. So I'll give it credit. It's it's from Trevor Reagan at Train Ugly. Um, he introduced a drill to me called one-on-one doghouse. Um, and all one-on-one doghouse is, is you're going to have one-on-one at, you know, each realm, you know, we're lucky enough to have six realms. If you have four realms or two or however you want to do it, but, um, essentially you've got one-on-one, um, and defense gets a stop. Um, they get to go to offense. Um, if the offense scored, the defense goes to the doghouse, which is the center circle in the court. Uh, and, you know, we can, you can do whatever you want. I usually do have them do like two push-ups or something. And then they have to quickly get up and they have to find an open goal to get to. Uh, we have coaches stationed around. So if we throw it, you know, if you go to an open goal and you don't close out properly, uh, you don't hustle over, you don't get down a defensive stance. We just, you know, we send you back to the doghouse and you get to try again after your two push-ups. So I think that's a great way to build just kind of a little bit of endurance, a little bit of mental toughness. Um, but, you know, working one-on-one in kind of an, an intense way. Um, with was just straight one-on-one no help so yeah that's a good one that's a good one uh yeah i'll go back to the mirror drill i mean if anybody hasn't seen that um i think i saw it the first time at duke i went to one of their practices and they just had two guys on the baseline one on one side of the end line and one on the other side of the end line i've even seen some like tie ropes between the two yeah. guys that could maybe be a little bit abusive but but tie ropes between the guys and you're kind of forced to stay with the guy but to your point just simply reading shoulders and reaction um, is a really good one. They, I think they used it maybe as like a warm up drill, even. Yep. You know, yep. Kind of like a probably a college version of tag without actually sure. tagging. Yep. But that's a good one. Um, mine that we start this we like we start the season with this. We call it fight for the paint, and basically it's you have the defender at the free throw line, you have two cones on the elbows, and then you have an offensive player at the top of the key, and the player just the defender tosses it out, closes out. And you have to basically keep them from getting inside of those cones. So it goes one-on-one immediately, and the guy with the ball is trying to get a paint touch. And, you know, if they're not close enough, you can shoot it, but sometimes we'll put the limit on not shooting. So on the toss-out, the guy can drive it left or right, so you have the offensive player being able to read closeouts. And then on the defensive side, 
just being able to stay in front of the basketball and keep them from getting in the paint. So you have that idea. Uh, Coach Boone, I think, talks a lot about like leveling your player off. Right. But they're not able to turn the corner and get into the paint. But that quickly exposes guys because they are on an island by themselves. And if they can't guard the guard the basketball, it shows pretty quickly in that drill. Um, so it's a great, great chance for you to kind of do an assessment at the beginning, but then for also for them to see, man, I've got to they get to visualize how small of a window it takes for them to give up the paint and then to kind of ruin their whole team's defense. Um, so like I said, it kind of exposes guys right away way on that drill. So Yeah, absolutely. And I and I love that idea of of you know, we talk about exposing and we definitely you know, some people may take it as a negative connotation, but I think it definitely it, it can be just taken as like I think especially at the college level, like there's just no there's no help for straight line drives, period. Uh what no matter where that's at on the floor. And I think um every everyone is good enough to be able to rip generally rip to the basket. And so yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to get them um you know, pushed out one or two, one or two dribbles wide. You can't just be straight line. So, I, I love anything we can do to to put them on an island one on one every day. Um, to work on that, I think is is so critical. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right, next one here. Let's talk about closeouts. Um, I'll give you a chance if you if you have a closeout drill, but I'll go ahead and explain mine. Yeah, sure. Mine is one that you people coaches probably have seen before. I know it didn't originate with him, but I saw this from uh, the elder Bob Hurley at a clinic, and we just call it one more closeouts. You can start the ball. It's basically a three-on-three drill. So I've got wing, top, wing, and then I've got my three defenders on the baseline, one at about the short corner, out of bounds, one underneath the basket, out of bounds, and another one on the other short corner, out of bounds. And you can start it and get it going really quickly with just having the defender that's um, on one side has the ball, throws it, tosses it to the middle guy. The middle guy tosses it to the outside guy. But on each of those passes, you're closing out to the opposite player. So if X1 is in the top right-hand corner, he's closing out to the opposite wing. When he throws it to the middle guy and the middle guy tosses it over to the outside guy, he's closing out to the middle. And the last guy goes and throws it to his side, his wing and then closes to the opposite wing. And essentially what you get is you're closing out either onto ball if you're a gap team, you can close out to gap or denial. And then you're, the last final guy is closing out to help. So you immediately kind of get within the entire floor. So you're using the whole court there, but you're getting your on-ball defense. You can work on a closeout. You can work on positioning for your gap and positioning for your help. And then it goes live. Um, I've seen people do this with a shot clock. I've seen people do it like just the coach counting. Yeah, five seconds to score, five, four, three, two, one. But it's a really quick drill that allows you to kind of work on multiple things at the same time. Um, so we call that one more closeouts. By the way, some of these, as we describe these, you may not be able to follow along. We have diagrams for all of these, and we can kind of point you to where you can find those afterwards. But that's our one more closeout drill. Yeah, we do You know, something similar. I've always done something similar where – call it three on three rollout. So essentially the same setup, three offensive players, wing top wing, um, three defensive players on the baseline kind of matched. Um, and what we would do is uh, we throw the ball or before we even throw the ball out, we just have them close out and show us they understand their leverage points. So for example, I've always been a force baseline guy. So if you're closing out to the wing, show me how you're going to force and leverage to the baseline. Uh, we check that as soon as they've done that, if it's good, they'll, they'll just kind of sprint back to the baseline touch. I'll throw the ball out and then they will close back out, uh, to either their help position or to their man and, uh, hopefully reinforcing kind of those closeout leverage points. And then from that point, we, we would play live just kind of like you would do with either a short shot clock, 
um, or whatever constraint we want to put on that. Um, but we just do a quick closeout, like three, essentially three on three, but no real action. Just show us you can know where to go, come back, touch the baseline, throw it back out, close out again, play live from there. So. Yeah, that was good. Uh, we just started doing this one this week because we, um, if you're a team that maybe doubles the post and has a rotation out of that, you know, they're teaching and, and players I found are learning better to recognize the double and then recognize the open man. And so you can have like a three on three where you start with the post doubled and then the post player turns and throws it and you have a rotation and then a one more. So you've got that long closeout on the backside. And we will just have – so we'll just practice with just the guy with the ball on the block. So that's going to be your defender. He throws it to the coach at the top of the key. And on the throw out to the top, he starts to close out to his man on the opposite wing. And the coach catches it and immediately throws it to that player. And so you're simulating kind of that long closeout, contesting with the high hand, but then also being able to kind of guard in a lot of space because most teams are spaced on the backside of a double team with like that double or triple gap. And so you basically, again, you're exposed if you're not a good, not a very good on-ball defender. So um, that's another one. I think I just posted that one on my Twitter page this last week. So you should be able to find that one if you're interested in that one. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Let me talk just briefly with transition defense. Sure. There are a couple that you can do individual, one-on-one. -on -one. There's one that um, we will do where we'll split the, cone, uh, the court up into thirds. So we'll place cones basically um, down the line of the outside third and then down the line of the inside third. So you basically have – you can play within the, within the outside third, the middle third, or the other outside third. And people have been doing like the zigzag drill for years. Um, we'll start it with like pound finishing on one end. So pound me versus, you know, uh, coach Fernandez and pound and then go and score it. And then he gets to be on offense and I'm on defense and we have to keep them within that cone. So you're, you're basically able to beat the guy if you can beat him. Um, but I'm trying to essentially turn him as many times within that cone as possible. And then once we get to, you can play to the top of the three point line. As soon as you get to the three point line, it's live one-on-one -on -one to, to score it. So um, that just works on that on the ball defense garden at full court. I know that not all of your players are going to be tasked with that. Um, so it may be beneficial, a little bit more beneficial for you to get to like a three on three with help, or we'll do a transition buildup drill that I'm sure people have seen before. It's probably a little too complicated to explain just on audio, but it builds up from two on one to three on two to four on three to five on four to five on five. And you can quickly get to five on five and run in your transition. So um, that's a, that's another one there, but I just wanted to mention that one because um, there are options for you to do small-sided games for transition. It's not just only in the half court. I don't know if you have anything other than that coach pressure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, and I'll go ahead and I'll touch on help defense because I think my mine's kind of combined, and I'll and I'll explain that here. Like, so I, I touched earlier on vision, what 
what Jim Boone called his vision drill, which is essentially the coach with the ball. You can be wherever you want to be on the perimeter. Um, and it's just a, it's a twist on shell. So you have your offensive players move kind of wherever they want to, they can screen, they can do whatever. Um, and you're really, you know, able to stop it as you want to, to, to check people's defensive positioning. So as all these offensive players are moving and you as a coach with the ball, they're kind of adjusting based on where you are with the ball. Um, you know, not chasing things away, getting to deny if you deny the reversal, whatever. Um, so and we can kind of elaborate a little bit more on that in a second, but um, essentially having them start out that way. And I know a lot of people have probably ran the drill where it's like five across the free throw line, five across the baseline. You throw it to someone, uh, you know, whoever is across from them goes and touches the baseline and it's like five on four until they can get back into play. Um, I, I propose you do it this way with the, with the kind of the vision drill as the, the start. Um, so you as a coach shoot it or you throw it to someone who has, you know, two or three seconds to get a shot off. Um, and whoever, you know, whoever has it, like, like kind of their defensive matchup as the shot goes up or as you as a coach shoot it, you can call out someone's name. All they're going to do is just kind of get off the floor and then you're going to transition five on four or five on three or whoever you call off um, until you tell them to get back into play, um, whether that's for one second or whether that's the whole possession. Um, so starting it with the kind of live and then, you know, making it kind of random in transition from a from a movement position instead of maybe five across the free throw line, five across the baseline, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, the old you know line drill or yeah, one just a twist on that really. Whatever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. I'd like to see that one, the the twist on it, um, on a on a video sometime. Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about the help defense and some of the stuff that you guys emphasize, and then also the games that you use with that. Yeah, so I think one of the things we emphasize, and we were talking about decision making, kind of, you were talking about decision making, and that de help defense is one of those areas that decision making is so critical. So one of the things that um, I've tried to emphasize, and we try to emphasize here at Rono too, is you just you have to make a decision. Period. Like the worst place you can be in help defense is just what we call stuck in the mud, which is you didn't come over to help, and you also didn't uh, kind of go toward yours to take away the shot. Um, so especially early in the season, we're trying to to get people to make that decision like we just praise the fact that someone makes a decision if that makes sense so let's say the baseline drive comes and they thought that they had it contained and they you know i'm, I'm in that kind of help side low position i was maybe supposed to slide over on the baseline but i got out to the shooter instead like that's great we're gonna praise the fact that you made a decision you didn't get stuck in the mud and then we can talk about whether or not that's the right decision um on what those cues are for for making that decision but we really just want our help defenders to make a decision. You got to take something away. If you get, if you're stuck in that help position and you don't take anything away, like that's that's really the only wrong thing you can do. Um, so we, you know, we try to use some of that vision drill. We we do different versions of shell. Like we we definitely do kind of the old school traditional version of shell every day, even if it's just for you know a minute, two minutes, whatever. Um, and then we try to add twists to it kind of every day, whether that's emphasizing random ball screens. Um, whether that's emphasizing, you know, post action, whatever it is, uh, we just kind of play in the, in the half court, um, kind of a sped up version of shell into live. So we might do some kind of action to guard it into a live version of that. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of the big thing on help defense. That I think, uh, I hope coaches will kind of emphasize is just get your players to make a decision period. Um, don't hesitate either come over and help and it ends up being a double ends up being a double or get out and take away yours. So they can't be kicked, but just not getting stuck in the mud. Is it straight five on five, or do you guys do like four on four or three on three? Um, generally, you're gonna do four on four, or five on five. 
Um, generally four on four to start with our kind of our basic shell principles. And then usually we'll go, you know, kind of emphasize something four on four, but then we'll go into five and five. So we kind of build into five and five. I've never like thought about or broke it down, but it just seems for most of our defensive stuff, we'll start with four on four and then go to five on five. But on our offensive stuff, we go three on three first. And I think maybe that's just to get more touches for the offense, sure. but it, sure. it seems more realistic. The reason I ask is I, you know, for coaches, unless you're going to really limit space, um, it almost seems like playing four on four kind of gives you the more realistic of, of how defense is going to really look like in a game. Yeah, and so we don't we don't help off the post. So that's kind of why we do the four on four because it's, if you're guarding the perimeter for us, you are the help defenders. We don't we don't slide off the post to help. So we that's why we kind of do four on four, uh, you know, emphasizing kind of help positioning and stuff off the ball because uh, our post will never help. So. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. um, one that we use that you can do variations of this, but. Uh, something that happens a lot, again, you're going to face this if your team can't guard the basketball well, is essentially kind of like a peel switch type scenario where your man is beat, so the guy with the ball has gotten beaten, and now it's time for us to step up and help and then rotate. And yeah, absolutely. And the question that I always get is, when when does that happen? Like, when should players, I think probably all of us have seen scenarios where a guy gets beat or thinks he gets beat or the coach thinks he gets beat and somebody else steps up, but then the guy who maybe thought he got beat or should be rotating somebody else, like, stays with his man. And offenses are just being taught too much and too well now to find the open man where it has to, for us, it has to become instinctual that if that man gets his shoulders past you, or you know his hips or his body is past your hips. That's no longer your man. Yep. And so we use kind of a again like a peel switch type thing. But we'll take cones and stack one cone on the three point line, and then we'll stack another cone a little bit further past the three point line. The defender has to run around the far cone, and the ball handler runs around the near cone. So you're basically getting a I got beat every scenario. Right. And from that point, you can go ahead and place players wherever for your defensive system help comes from. Like Coach said, you know, maybe they don't help with the post. Maybe they're helping with the lowest man. I don't know that anybody does this, but maybe you're helping with the near side corner. I think we're all too afraid with that. However, <laughs> I, I have found that if you teach peeling off fast enough, you can get some Absolutely. tips right behinds. You can. Um, you can cover that corner if you peel off switch for sure, but it's still scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking. So, you know, what, however you teach it, um, that, or you can do the old, uh, you know, if it's coach and I and he's facing the basket, I have the ball behind him, I place the ball in his back and then take it off. I like that one better than standing hip to hip because hip to hip, you start, you know, wherever the defender is, that's pretty much you're driving the opposite direction. But if you place the ball in the center of the guy's back, he doesn't know it. I could be driving left or right. And from that point, you know, a, a drive middle versus a drive to the outside is vastly different with rotations and positioning and everything. So, you know, kind of think about what you're trying to get out of it and where you're trying to show help. And um, we'll even do that on the baseline, too. So because help from the baseline sometimes can be different rotations on the high side, um, wherever you're rotating can be different as well. So um, that's one, too, that I have video for that I'm more than happy to share with people if they're interested in that. Coach, do you have any others with help defense? Or are you good with that? Uh, no, I think we're good with that. I mean, I think I think the big thing about help is like a division drill to me is one of the best. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's available on maybe YouTube. Um, but Jim Jim Boone, um, who obviously like the father of Packline, 
um, or I guess the current father of Peckline. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely has some videos on that. And if you, if you can't find it for some reason, I haven't seen if it's available yet. But if you can't find it, you can always reach out to me, and I can definitely kind of talk you through that a little bit more. But to me, that's probably the best one for help defense. All right, let's go ahead and finish with the last one. I think that we both had here is defensive rebounding. This is one rebounding I think that sometimes is maybe under top because everybody just says it's whoever has the most heart. I don't know what that means, but I think they're just saying like it just takes effort. And while I do agree with that, I do think there are some teaching elements that go along with it as well. Uh, maybe how do you teach those teaching elements and then also how do you drill it through these small sided games? Yeah, so I think one of the teaching elements that I started to find out, and I I feel so uh, not dumb is not the right word. I I just I feel like how could I miss this? You know, watch watching more film, just realizing that most of the time, you know, I think a lot of coaches will say like, if we're not boxing out, we're not you know people aren't giving effort or whatever. I don't necessarily find that it's an effort thing. I find that we, we lose vision, which is why I think kind of that help defense and, posi and positioning, being able to have that vision um, is so important. So what I was finding is that, you know, almost 90% probably of our offensive rebounds given up um, early in the season when I was going back and watching film was because we were just kind of turning our head and we didn't have a responsibility. So if we weren't in a help position, you know, we only helped from one spot. If we weren't in that position, we were still turning our heads at times. And so the shot goes up and I, I don't even see my matchup because my head is turned watching the ball. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And the brain is just not, it, it just doesn't fire enough to be able to, to get my head around, see what's happening over there. Shot goes up, get my head back around, fine, hit, and then be able to go get the ball. Like all that's happening so fast. So what we found is just being able to, um, you know, hit that positioning piece and, uh, and keeping our players' vision open to see who they're supposed to bonk when the shot goes up. And I think you'll find that they will actually, there, there's going to be an effort to go and hit someone because they can clearly see who they're supposed to get. They didn't lose their matchup. Um, but in terms of, in terms of um, drills, so we do, we do a drill called Super Bowl rebounding. Um, and all that is, is kind of, it's, it's just three on three, um, kind of circle up in the middle, three on the perimeter, uh, shot goes up, you know, keep the vision, but we also use it with the vision drill that I just told you about. So everybody's, so we, we started by teaching, just keep your vision in the three on three, kind of keeping your eyes open, uh, keeping your head on a swivel, but then we, we can now do it with the vision drill where people are randomly moving like four on four offensively. Um, you know, I shoot it or I throw it to someone who has like two seconds to shoot it and they get the shot off. Defense gets the rebound. You can score it however you want to. We do different ways of scoring it. Um, but then they, they have to convert it too. So we add an added element of, of they have to be able to get the defensive rebound and then get it um, kind of into what we call the end zone, which is half court line to the first volleyball line. Um, so it's a little bit of a passing and, and press breaker drill too because the other team will pick up. But just working on that vision piece to me has been almost honestly, Coach, better than any rebounding drill I've ever seen is just fixing the vision piece and making sure they know they can see who they're supposed to box out when the shot goes up so yeah i love that uh the accountability and then also just kind of how many times have you seen a guy intend to box out or they're just so far away from their player that they're not really paying attention to him and yeah. that guy sprints Absolutely. in the three-point line and grabs offensive or yeah grabs an offensive rebound yeah for sure i've seen two um you could do like circle the wagons and then yep goes out for a shot and I don't know how every coach teaches it, but maybe you're outside of 15 feet 
you know, hit and go get. If you're inside, hit and hold. So you can adjust your drill accordingly for that and move pieces around so they can practice that as well. So. Yeah, and I, and I think the best, the best thing too is if, if you're playing any small-sided game, like adding a couple extra points for an offensive rebound or something, I think you'll find that people – to me, I've always felt kind of rebounding. While we can teach the technique, we can teach the vision piece where we can still – where we see and we know who we're supposed to get and all that. At the end of the day, I feel like re- rebounding is a very random thing that happens. You know, there's a there's anticipation of when the shot goes up. Um, I think, you know, I found myself talking about, like, when the shot clock is winding down, we know we're about to box out. Like, that's when our, our mind should be thinking, get ready to box out for sure. Like, so just teaching those little anticipatory pieces, um, you know, like a drive, a kick, the extra pass, that's prob- that shot's probably going to go up. But, you know, there's a little bit of maybe some guesswork in there too. But, you know, rebounding is so random. It's It's been kind of hard to find drills to work on rebounding that provides kind of that game randomness context yeah Uh, but the vision piece to me has been the biggest game changer and once again i feel so silly that i never thought of it that way i i kind of fell into the category of what you were talking about which is hey you know there's no effort to go box out but you know it's 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 not the effort piece it's that they didn't see anyone to go box out because they're too busy thinking they're supposed to help on something so all right that's good i'm gonna Take that back to my team. Yeah, it just I would encourage any coach out there look at look at your offensive rebounds and see if people are peeking that are not supposed to be peeking over at the ball, hmm. uh, because that's how I found that, that you know some of them are random that could come off long whatever, but the ones that we had a chance at and we just didn't box like go back and look at those and see if it's not because someone is peeking at the ball or peeking at something they're not supposed to be looking at and not being disciplined off the ball. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'll finish with this one. It kind of puts everything together. I maybe have mentioned this other places, but I would really encourage coaches to take a look at this. A lot of us are emphasizing the three stops in a row. We probably have found that once you get to that like six or seven three stops in a row, your team is probably pretty much near unbeatable. And we have communicated that so much to our players that we're constantly trying to, even during the course of a game, communicate to them like, this is our second stop. We need that third stop, whether that's you call it a brick or a kill or a turkey or whatever it is. We have played a game, started a game called Hunting Turkeys. And the straight point of it is, is it get three stops in a row and your team gets a point. And what I've really seen is that players have they, – they love playing defense and they want to get onto defense as quickly as possible, which is unheard of. Everybody wants to just play offense. <laughs> but I, I have found that they will try to score as fast as they can, which helps us where we like to play fast. So they're scoring, scoring well as quick as they can because it's not just about jacking up a shot. They need to actually score. And once you get a score, then your team gets to go to – to defense and and start that streak of three stops in a row. Um, this has gotten super competitive, and we usually play this for ten or twelve minutes at a time. And to your point, coach, we're able to adjust things. I I this is not something that we have done in the past, but I just did it this last practice. Was if they grab an offensive rebound, then that counted as one of their stops. So that yeah. now they only needed two more stops to get a turkey or get a point up on the right. boards. That just kind of placed the added emphasis on for both sides to defensive rebound and offensive rebound. So if they score it, they get to go to defense. And we've also done if you get an offensive rebound, you immediately stop and you get to go to defense as well. So those are a couple ways to, to kind of score something like that. But um, we have in the past, depending on what you're emphasizing or what maybe your team needs to work on, if you don't or yeah, if you if you give up an open shot then you have to go to offense. So if there's no closeout or if they get a wide open shot or something like that, um, if they don't double the posts, um, I mean, you could do all kinds of constraints 
and that kind of thing. And their penalty is they have to go to offense, which sounds silly. You get penalized to go to <laughs> offense, but I mean, they, they love it. Um, and they're always like, fired up about playing hunting Turkey. So, um, that's one that I found to, to be fun for us. And then also fun for our players, for the coaches and for the players as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, coach, if you have anything else, you know, final thoughts about anything, feel free to share those now. But I do also want you to make sure that you tell people where they can connect with you and reach out if they have any questions about anything. Um, I know you've mentioned some of the YouTube stuff, so maybe point them to that or just to your Twitter, and then you can connect them there to uh, to the other videos. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I, I definitely encourage people. You can you can connect with me on, at, at, on Twitter at CoachFernandez1. So it's at CoachFernandez1 is my Twitter handle. Um, and I obviously I retweet a bunch of stuff and I share stuff all the time on there. But uh, I also encourage people to to just go to to YouTube. There's so many there's so many good coaching resources on YouTube. Um, Train Ugly and Trevor Reagan do a great job of of putting out stuff on there that's just about like mindset and kind of motor development. Brian McCormick is a is a great resource too. Um, he puts out a lot of free videos as well. Um, and he had you know he has an exercise science uh, uh, doctorate, so he's, he's put always putting out stuff on player development and then um also obviously basketball version and chris oliver those are kind of the three guys that have been most influential to me in my coaching journey and, and really revamping the way that i've kind of approached the game um but yeah I'm, I'm always on twitter so if anyone wants to reach out on twitter and, and talk hoops i'm always down to talk hoops share share anything i have uh, report you in a direction of someone who I, th I think can maybe help you even more than i can but i uh, love connecting with people on there so yeah, appreciate Coach and all yep. he does. I learned a ton from him, and um, he is more than happy to share. So please take him up on that. Okay. I appreciate all of you who joined us live tonight and those who are listening on the replay. If there's anything that we can do to help you out, you can connect with me at Tony W. Miller on Twitter is the fastest way to get a hold of me. And we'll be jumping back on the Wisdom app from time to time to share some more things about coaching basketball. For Coach Aaron Fernandez, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.